All right, welcome back to the Jordan High 2004 podcast. This is Steve. Oh, and Gonzo. And uh, this is episode nine, bonus episode, part two with the Prus. And I just want to start by apologizing for missing our last episode. I know Gonzo did it all by himself, and it was great, and I listened, and I got super jealous. Uh, I couldn't be there, even though we made the appointment, then I just canceled. Um, I'm glad you guys did it without me, and it was good to listen, but I... I have some beef that I want to bring up, and also I just want to do some follow-up as I love the Peru's, and so it'd be great just to ask some follow-up questions and just just get to have a second conversation for you, but a first one for me. So and I'm really happy I don't have to like think of all the questions. <laughs> I can be we, quiet and listen a little bit. We really missed your input on everything, Steve. We talked about that for a little bit after. Oh, yeah? I heard some good stuff of, uh, of the conversation before and after. Oh, like yeah. We really, lit some fires. Really love some MLMs. <laughs> <laughs> we went way off on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I want to start by saying, Amy, why did you get handcuffed? No, you know, it's like the dumbest thing because once you hear it, you're going to be like, oh, well. But yeah. you have to tell. I know, but the whole time I was like, I cannot believe somehow Amy got out of that without telling us how she got handcuffed. No, she just weaseled it's out. It's like everybody's like so curious and like super intrigued and then I say it and then they're just like, oh. It's and like showing it's like, a magic trick. It's just like awkward. It's not cool at the end. It's awkward. It's like, a, oh, awkward. Oh, after. Try me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's really, really dumb. So... We, I was bored and we were driving around. I was with a couple boys and we were, he was going to show me this place that he used to live, but like nobody lives there anymore. It's like an abandoned barn, barn. And we thought it would be scary and walk around in the barn. So we got out and walked around. Out of nowhere, we're like in this third barn, just walking around in the dark. And all of a sudden we get these flashlights and guns pointed at us out of nowhere. They're like, get on your knees, get on your knees and whatever. And. They were just like, no explanation, just like handcuffed us and like brought us over to the curb and talked to us. I guess we were trespassing, obviously, which is bad. And they said like, like people had like brought people to that barn and were like doing weird rituals or like there was maybe even like a murder or something that happened there. So they were like watching that house really carefully. So yeah, that was it. Turns out we're like pretty lucky they were there. The same time yeah it was crazy well, I'm but glad. they let us go that night and they didn't put us in their car or anything they just like searched our car and then told us to go home so <laughs> that's a cool story yeah yeah i don't think it's lame not lame or awkward <laughs> <laughs> i think if anything i wanted i wanted to know more like why you were rebelling but yeah she's a so middle child there was no reason for it. I wanted to become different than everybody else. You know, I felt like I was too normal, too, like, basic. And maybe that was my way of trying to become something different, I think. I heard you say that you changed, like, after you moved in sixth grade. It was like mm -hmm. you moved in sixth grade and a lot of things, it became harder to make friends. So the first question I have is, what were you like before sixth grade then? So before you moved, like, what kind of kid were you like? I was like friends with everybody. I was just like, whatever, be scared to approach anybody. I feel like, I feel like 
I don't know, my mom told stories about when I was a kid and just didn't care what anybody thought. I would do whatever I wanted and just kind of... You beat up Mitchell? Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I just was... <laughs> how I don't know. I was really outgoing and just kind of didn't care about anybody, what they thought or anything. So did you, when you moved, did you have bad experiences? I mean, was it hard to make friends or did you have people actually like be mean to you? When I moved, I thought I was super excited. You know, I was going to become more friends. I was just going to get more friends by moving. But I moved um, and I actually moved to Sandy Elementary, which I know some people from Jordan went there. So I don't want to be like offensive towards anybody. But it was a just different atmosphere than I was used to. And nobody approached me. Nobody tried to be my friend. And there was a lot more like swearing and a lot more bullying at the school than I was used to. And it like kind of scared me. And I was just kind of like nervous when like, like shocked and like, just like, oh my gosh, nobody really actually likes me. Maybe nobody actually liked me before, you know, and I just kind of got me to like go in and like kind of be closed off. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what it was. was I think what it was, was uh, I had some girls be mean to me or be a bully and I was kind of like, oh, I hate girls. I'm never going to become friends with girls. Like I was just done. And so I didn't even try to talk to people or talk to girls, especially. And I found that like, I just was like, oh, I just date a bunch of guys or whatever. So like I spent my teenage years just dating boys and I didn't even attempt to be friends with girls. Nice. <laughs> that's, 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 yeah. that's it. That's the stuff. There you go. What are okay. The you got? I know. Okay. Next one. When you were younger, what did you want to be when you grow up? That's a tough one. I actually went to dental assisting school in high school, but I what I'm I quit about like seventy percent the way through there. I don't know why. And ever since then, I kind of I don't know what I wanted to be. I never know what I wanted to be. So like I didn't go to college or anything because I thought, what's the point if I don't even know what I'm going to do? And I never really had a plan or backup plan. I still don't. So. Well, I know that when I was listening to it, you talked about how like, well, I, I got married and I had kids and here I am. And mm -hmm. I think that's probably one of the most relatable things that anybody yes. has said on the podcast. And I did want to say, after I was thinking about it, I just want to make sure I don't want to put that down at all because that is a great, fantastic thing to be a mom and to be a wife. That's very rewarding. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's just I think a couple times it was hard because the only people really that she interacted with was me and children and like other ladies with children that she didn't know. Like you just did a bunch of playdates with toddlers. Like, I think that drives people a little crazy. She redecorated the house like 32 times. That's an exaggeration. No, not even. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I, I heard when you were saying that and I, and I agree. And I know John jumped in before kind of in the same way, like stay at home moms, like it's awesome to be able to do that. And I know that there's a lot of our friends and there's a lot of people we went to school with who kind of have that, experience where it's like I, I did get married I did have kids uh, I know my wife is going through some of that right now where it's like I had some things I wanted to do but I got married I had kids I supported you while you were doing your thing and and I think it can 
make it hard to think what what am I doing? What do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a question that a lot of stay-at-home moms or stay-at-home dads kind of ask where it's like, of course you love your kids. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, John's a lovable guy, so I bet most of the time that's pretty nice. Um, <laughs> you would think. <laughs> but I'm glad he got that pill for his IBS. But uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's real. Like, and the thing is, more people have it than you know, you would think. And I just think it's a thing that people can be open with. Like, yeah, it's a thing you have and you have to live with it and you can't really hide it, especially in small bathrooms. <laughs> yeah. But I just wanted to follow up with that because I, I appreciate that you brought that up because I think that's a very common feeling among a lot of people. And yeah. um, well, Bonnie said that she could relate to, she re- related to what Amy was saying a lot, especially the being a stay-at-home mom stuff and and a, a lot of the finding it really hard to describe who you are finding it really hard to describe who you want to be too it's that can that can be really and hard I don't too. know if it was that we got married it's so you know getting married at eighteen is don't do is, that is hard you know? <laughs> that you know and just everything but what I also realized from listening or from thinking about the other night is I am super hard on myself I feel like and put myself down more than I should so I something I need to work on but being a, a stay-at-home mom is definitely good and has its good things for sure but. well I know that you're an amazing host I know last summer when we came down there and we got to hang out with you guys it was just it was awesome to be able to just spend time with you and and it was great. Natalie loves you. I don't think she, I don't know if yeah. you guys have ever done anything before. No, no, yeah, like she's awesome. We were like, had a really good conversation we, right off the bat. So. I think we feel bad because like, we never got to connect with Natalie. Like, you guys were gone, then we were gone, and then like, we just never got to have those moments. And then last summer, it was so fun to have everybody here. Like, good people. Yeah, so I, I appreciate I appreciate who you are and like I've known you for a long time and maybe this is where I can kind of bring up a little bit of beef with Amy. Okay. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) So once upon a time and I tell this joke or this story I think kind of regularly and we we went to a movie together at the theater Mm -hmm. and we held hands. Yeah. And (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I know that's really exciting. It was exciting for me at the time. And I love to talk about that. And then you guys got married. Yeah, right. I so stole that's what we you. talked about when we were not on the, the thing talking to Gonzo. So we, yeah, I was like, we went on a date and like I had a huge crush on you. And true. I have a huge crush on you too. Then we, I went to a party, especially just to see you, Steve. And then. I ended up talking to John the whole night, and then we started dating, and we like didn't never stop. Never stop. Was like that was it. You guys ready um, for some gross fun fact? We've yeah. been dating for more than half of our lives. Dang. So John won you over with his rambling, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I just never stopped talking. <laughs> well. I don't know, that's kind of some silly beef, but I will 
stop bringing it up as often if I can remember. <laughs> so I'm sorry if I make it awkward sometimes, but there you go. Okay, I have this not really beef because like I don't know what like, but a funny memory is when you and I don't know if it was you and Gonzo or somebody was trying to cork me, <laughs> and you were like, for people who don't know, corking you. is when someone. <laughs> Sits on all four behind another person, and the other person tries to trip. Um, you just walk up and shove them, and they fall over. Backwards. Yes, exactly. So, anyways, you were the person I was supposed to fall. You were kneeling behind me on your hands and knees, and I was walking backwards, and I ended up kicking you in the face instead of falling. <laughs> it must have been hard because you were pissed. You were so angry the whole night. You wouldn't talk to me. You wouldn't talk. To me. You were just angry that was just like stuck in my brain even to stay I'm like man he's, he's don't ever temper. kick him in the face guys <laughs> he'll be your enemy I Natalie knows this but it's like getting hit in the head or in the face is like instant anger like yeah, I hate getting <laughs> so the kids like accidentally kick me in the face I will be like yeah immediately so I like death I get letter. it now because I've never but yeah, I well, I don't know if you apologize, but I accept <laughs> I accept your apology. Well, I, well, I apologize to you. I'd like to hear something back from you. No? No, no sorry, uh, <laughs> uh, Sorry, uh, I was a teenager doing stupid teenager yeah. things and tried to quit <laughs> you at the time. Well, anyway, sorry for kicking in the face. Uh, all is forgiven. That's good. I'm glad, we, I'm glad we got that out of the way. hashed. Yep. Done. Okay. And then, John, I have a few things that I wanted to ask you about. Okay. So you talked in your last episode about how you had the, this strong desire to be, like, number one, right? Yeah. Like, where did that come from? Like, when did you first notice that, or why did you feel like you had to have that? Uh, I, I, I don't know. It's maybe really cliche, but, like, uh, it, it goes back to my parents' divorce, my dad held me as like really high on the list of things in his life to an unfair advantage. So my dad, if you know him, anybody does, it makes sense on who he is. I was the firstborn son and uh, he treated me a lot better than my older sisters and my younger brother. There was some abuse that happened in our younger years, but that never happened to me. I was always his like little guy. I was his champ. That's, and uh, when my parents got a divorce, I was seven. I can remember the day my dad told me that he was leaving. It was, it was around mid October. And I can remember I'm a seven year old playing in the backyard we had a basketball court that was poured out of concrete and I was digging in kind of a dirt area and I was kind of, I was playing with micro machines, the little car toys and uh, my dad came back and I, it's really weird because I remember the smell of October, like even now as an adult, that same smell and I think of like very much the Halloween decoration of the witch that's like slammed up against the door, that purple witch with the green 
face and orange hair. And I remember like that smell and that thought going through my head. My dad came into the backyard and told me that he wasn't going to be living there anymore. And I didn't really get it. But then like my dad, from that point, I only saw him not very much. It was like the, the once every other weekend kind of happened for a little while. And then it was longer stretches of time where we didn't see him. And, you know, he baptized me as when I was eight. And then I didn't really see him till he ordained me as a deacon at 12. Then, you know, I didn't see him till 14 and 16, like all those milestones. And I really feel that was the moment in my life of like always wanting to just keep that level of like always trying to be that seven-year-old who was so admired by his dad and who also really admired his dad i things i would do would be like i knew he came home at like five o'clock every day from work and uh I would sit and watch the Adam West Batman at 4.30. It was like, same bat time, same bat channel. And I knew I had just enough time at the end of that episode to run into his closet and grab one of his suits and get dressed up as this little businessman and get my hair combed and parted. And, and I'd, I'd wait for him to come home. And that was kind of out of my life. And... Uh, in a lot of ways, that, it, that was the best thing that could have happened for my family. But I think that's something that I've always kind of, kind of carried was, oh, like, I I was something that was so important, and then I wasn't anymore. I just he may tell the story different, um, but from where I was sitting at the time and. I just wasn't important anymore. And uh, sorry, guys. I think that, like, I had a lot of friends that who their dads were all best friends with my dad. He was a very sociable person, but I think who he was in public was not the same person who he was at home. So that's like, as a grown up, that's a thing that I try to make sure I don't have that same inconsistencies. I try to make sure that like, I'm just as real with people out in the world as I am at home. And I try to make sure that like, if anybody's gonna get the best of me, it should be the people that I live with. I. Uh, my brother wrote a, a message on my Facebook wall on my birthday last year, kind of talking about how he didn't quite understand something I would always say. And that was, and I, and I still say it to this day, it's, I don't really care about anybody's opinion about me except for the four people who live in my house. He thought that was like a really harsh statement. And I just looked at it like, well, you know, when, when you get to be an adult and you work, 
you're gone away from your family more time than you're spending with them. Like you wake up in the morning, you get ready to get to work. You're there for nine, 10 hours. You come back and you have like three or four hours of, you know, time that you get to spend with your family and they really get robbed of being with, with their dad. And, uh, so I try to think of, that when I come home that like, these are the people that should get my best and not my worst. And uh, <laughs> I think that's where like, my biggest, where that all came from is just losing that part of my life at, an, at a young age. That's, that's a lot. Thank you for being so open about that. Um, I know that's probably not always easy it's like that's my story like yeah it, it you know it can be emotional but it can also be really funny like to make my uh, other family members who've not gone through that feel really awkward is one of my favorite family gathering activities <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, when you know. when you brought up uh last time and then with this story today like when you brought up i didn't have my dad like i didn't have a team because i didn't have like my dad's team that was like one of the most relatable things that I've personally heard because obviously your story is different than my story but similar to like my parents split up when I was 12 and my dad yeah. like he tried to be there but he lived in Washington so I'd see him like once or twice a year then adding on top of that like the the deaf you know sign that language bears. part of it it's like I just he just the way you described that as like being there and then just not I I think that that's a very relatable raw real thing and I appreciate you sharing that because you sharing that makes me feel like I have somebody who understands how I feel and hopefully in some small way I can understand how you feel and yeah look at how we turn out we turn out like way awesome and so <laughs> you know I mean that's 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 kind of you I'm listening to your your interview of when Gonzo interviewed you and you talking about your dad leaving, I was, it's so funny. Cause like we were on the same little league football team and like, I remember your dad at the games and uh, maybe not all of them, but we, I remember your dad showing up to the games and like, for real, I, I don't even know if my dad knew I played football. In fact, my relationship with him right now is so separate that he came into my work down here in St. George to talk to my uncle who I work for about maybe a job opportunity. And he had no idea that I lived down here or was working there. And like, it was a moment where I came back from lunch and I was like, oh my gosh, that's my dad at my work. And I like, we just don't, we don't even know each other as people. And that's kind of like something that I've never had with my biological father, but I can't say that I was fatherless. Like I had um, our football coach, Jerry Mace. I wouldn't say he was like the best influence in my life, but <laughs> uh, he got me my first job as a as a carnival worker at 13 years old for custom events and uh he got me onto the football team he like 
he, I went out and did some landscaping work with him and put in some sprinklers and he helped pay for my registration and stuff. And I had other people in the neighborhood that, I don't know if you guys remember Jennifer Baggett, her dad, Alan was another surrogate father for me. Um, but where I got really lucky was my grandpa. He, uh, lived six blocks away from my house and I would walk there every day. It's kind of funny thinking if one of my kids had to walk that distance to go anywhere, like I'd be like a little paranoid about it, but like I did that all the time. Like, I don't know how my mom handled dealing with us ever. So it's kind of weird to think about, but yeah, I had, I had a really good relationship with my grandpa. Um, in fact, one of my favorite things with him is, do you guys remember that picture of him? Yeah, with the, his old 57 Chevy. It looked exactly and, uh, like you in it. Looks exactly the, like the, me. The exact the, same face, except for like, his yeah. eyes are closed. It's like John Prude time. And you can't close, close your eyes. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't make that same face, but it is the same face. <laughs> do you still have that picture? Like, could you find it? I do. Yes, I do. I have it. And so my grandma, uh, she's a wonderful lady. She loves taking pictures. I believe the reason that my siblings and I hate taking pictures as grownups today probably stems for how much my grandma loved doing it. But yeah, I still have that picture. I've got a big old massive photo album that she put together for me and that picture's in there. For everyone listening, if you ever get a chance to see this picture, it will blow your <laughs> mind. It's like how Gonzo and John were talking about like going in time or like time travel. For sure, this is a time travel picture. Yeah, it's a. My grandpa and I were doppelgangers of each other. That's that's a real thing. Maybe I'll post it in the comments. Do it. Do it. Do it. I'm sure it's on the internet somewhere. <laughs> if not, come soon to a post near you. <laughs> well, thank you again for sharing that. I have one funny memory that I have to bring up, and then I'll give you a chance to share some beef if you got some. I, I just have a lot of funny memories with you. Dude. I don't know if they're appropriate or not. Okay, so one, I was there when you got super pissed at Gonzo. I was in oh, the yeah. room. Yeah. I was After I listened, I was like, Gonzo, I was there. And I remember the exact moment. It's so vivid in my mind of Gonzo realizing, like, oh my gosh, he's actually like fighting me right now. <laughs> <laughs> just like the whole feeling changed. And I do remember your mom being like, you guys need to leave. I'm going to call the cops. And just like all hell breaking loose. And you it was to, hilarious. You have to like give my mom a break. She is a wonderful person, but she would like yell at us, shut that bird up or I'll shut it up. And like, we didn't even have a bird at that time. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if it makes so you feel- So don't take yeah. the calling the cops thing personal. No, I, I had a mom that would call the cops on me all the time. Like, yeah, probably. <laughs> I was like, you, my mom, for example, I had a stupid little moped, old moped that I'd ride, and it didn't have gas. So I used my mom's gas can that she uses for her lawnmower to fill it up. She calls the cops on me for stealing her gas. Whoa. And so now I get to sit there and be the interpreter between my mom and the cop and tell him what my mom is saying about me. 
So when I hear your mom saying stuff like that, I'm like, oh my gosh, the cops are going to come. They're going to be on the way. We got to get out of here, Gonzo. <laughs> there, there was never any real cop coming. <laughs> In my world, there was one on the way. So that was a funny memory. And then uh, I want to bring up a time that we thought it would be a good idea to throw eggs at a certain somebody's house. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah. Do you know where I'm going with this? Yes. And... Gonzo earned a nickname, Gonzo the Squealer, because... I can't believe you didn't bring that up, but maybe that might be some Josue beef, but... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I... Hey, hey, Chad, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, nothing? What'd you do, nothing? Or what? I can't remember, we had a party. And egging, and, and Gonzo egging. Thro totally throws everybody under the bus and gives away the secret that we were the ones that threw eggs at his house. Yeah, And then, yeah, that... in auto shop... He smashes an egg right on Josue's head. He did. Chad and Josue did not really sky the eye. But I Chad, it was, was Josue's idea to like egg Chad's house, and we just yeah, kind of they had along with it. they had some beef that they should probably get over and talk to each other. About. So, guys, send us a voice memo. Send us a voice memo. <laughs> Let's hash this out. But uh, that's one of my favorite funniest memories of your face when Gonzo totally gives it away. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell him. Well, to be so honest, funny. I didn't know that was the kill the egg. <laughs> you didn't even know this. Yeah. That was so great. I, I think, I, I hate to do this, but I think I can one-up your egg story with another egg story. Do it. And I wish that you guys would have talked about this with Raffi. So I have a Steve and an egg story at Raffi's house. Uh-oh. <laughs> I believe one time you were under the impression it was impossible to crack an egg with only using your butt cheeks. And you found out really fast that you could. Guns of Steel. I, I remember the sound of the egg cracking, being like, and then you were like, waddled away. <laughs> With uh, egg in your pants. It was right outside of Raffi's house. That was we were making a movie for Gonzo's film class at the time. Oh gosh, we gotta find that movie. Do you still have it? Um, I I think I Romina if Gus might have. Do you like think Gus whole, has it? Gus might have it. And I know Romina got all the tapes at my parents, and she was digitizing everything. And she said, "I found some funny movies of you guys when you were teenagers." And I was like. Delete that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, well. It was really uh, cool at the time when we made it. So. Do you, John? Do you have any? Uh, do you have any beef? Old beef you want to hash out? You know, Steve, I really don't. I, I, I guess the only beef is I do feel sorry for stealing a girl you were dating and then marrying her, but I don't really feel bad about that because I'm really happy to be married to her. But no, I think my, I guess I, I do have a beef with you. It was a, it's a thing that I feel you do owe me an apology for. <laughs> you, sh we, we used to go to, we would cruise on State Street, cruising State, that was our thing. And we would always go to a certain restaurant and get hot wings. <laughs> and, and you took a piece of napkin. <laughs> And made a spit wad and shot it <laughs> near into the back of my eye. 
And I remember we were like stopped at a 7-Eleven like three hours later. And I was like, dude, my eye really hurts. And there is like a hot sauce covered spit wad halfway in my eye. still had hot sauce on it. Yeah, he pulls it out and it was like, <laughs> it's like a huge piece of napkin. It wasn't even small. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, it was a great time. <laughs> so, okay, I uh, I do apologize for that. I'm so, I'm sorry I did that, but I'm glad uh, I'm glad we're able to laugh at that. <laughs> Move on. Um, I'm also sorry that I never smelt your finger. <laughs> When you would present it to me. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry I would do stuff like that. <laughs> You're a dentist now. You have plenty of opportunity in that range to be like, can, can you smell this? <laughs> yeah. Smell Just it. No, I, uh, I wash my hands a whole lot more now than I, than I used to. This episode brought to you by Western Dental, where everything is hygienic and uh, customer service is top notch. Yeah. <laughs> We, we were all we were all children at one point. So. Yes. <laughs> that Gosh, was... that's funny. I'm like crying right now. So the last thing I want to bring up is a life lesson you taught me. You, on the night that we had like our, was it senior night? What do we call it? I don't know. Senior oh, sunrise. yeah. Senior sunrise when we went camping. Uh, I borrowed my sister's car. We drove us all out there and driving home. The, whole, the freaking car stopped and overheated right on like 106 and 7th East. Oh yeah, it stopped a couple it times. It turned off and I was like, holy crap. And it had completely overheated. All of the coolant was gone. And in my mind, it's like, crap, like, this car is done. You know, I don't know how to fix cars or anything. And I thought, my sister's going to kill me. And you just slid your finger along and you found the hole in the little hose. You're like, oh, we just got to replace this little hose. And we fixed it for $2. I still remember. Yeah. And I thought, holy crap, John just saved me like hundreds of dollars. And that opened my eyes to, now I do my own brakes, do my oil sometimes, I've changed my alternators. Like I can actually fix stuff in my car. And the first time I ever thought that was possible was when you taught me how to fix that, that hose. So thank you for saving me lots of money fixing my own cars. You're really welcome. I'm getting a lot of crusty looks right now from my wife because I don't do that. Never, ever, ever, ever. Faults. Okay. So I stopped. Twelve years. I I stopped working on cars. I had a 1999 Mitsubishi Galant, and the alternator went out on it. And I was like, I can change an alternator, no problem. This ended up being the reason I never work on cars again. The way they built those engines is they like put it all together and then drop it in. It is literally impossible to take the alternator out of the car. You can unbolt it, but like no matter how you turn it, it doesn't come out. I'm reading on the internet, it's like bend the radiator hose. And I'm like, that's not good. 
And like, I had so many busted knuckles and lots of like swearing in the garage. I was like, I'm never doing this again. So I'm glad that it worked out for you, but (laughs) I'm like, I can write a check for that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I got nothing for you, Amy. Sorry. He helped me and it was wonderful. Changed my life. (laughs) (laughs) I, I remember we were driving and like, I also taught you the trick that you can turn your heater on to help pull the heat away from the engine. And we would drive for like a minute and then stall out. And then we would have to like wait. And then you turned it on again and we would go like, I was like, we're never getting home. And then we we eventually made it. And yeah, I think you had somebody else look at your car and you were like real worried that you'd never get it fixed. And sure enough, it was like a half inch like slit in a pipe that just wore away and went down to Napa and like, Hey, you got any hose? And they're like, yeah, sure. Here you go. Two bucks. Yeah. It was a good time. The best. Good experience. Glad we had that senior sunrise together. John's (laughs) just a man's man. He can, he can get his hands dirty and, uh, and you know what we didn't talk about in the last one is we were talking about side hustle or a small business. We didn't talk about all your crafting and cosplay, uh, costume making. I have a seven foot robot Batman in my garage. That's that's a thing that I have. It's perfection. So is it? Do you you do you still have? Is it an Instagram? Is it an Etsy store where people can find your your uh, cosplay builds? You know, I I used to. I uh, I don't anymore. Um, but you have at least a log of all the pictures so people can see, like, is it, I thought it was Proust Kids? Yeah, that was what it was called. I I think you could look at my, I have an Instagram that's called Proust Kids. That's my personal Instagram. I don't post hardly anything anymore. But everyone should check out John's Instagram. Just, even if, oh, yeah, the, I mean, just to look at fun. all the cool stuff he's built. Like, he's 3D printed and it would, he's always making awesome swords, keyblades. Uh, sweet helmets uh, and do you guys have pictures of your comic cons that um the, the comic cons we we have a lot of pictures of that that was like that's probably one of my favorite little hobbies uh you know listening to dustin copeland talk about like wanting to make a forge like i literally built one <laughs> already and like melt aluminum and that was kind of a fun summer project, but yeah, I learned how to like make things and uh, I don't know, it like, it was a business that I did for a little while. It kind of like, it ended up being like probably one of the hardest strains in our marriage doing that, don't you think? Well, John wanted, was doing it full time as, as work and at home in our little teeny- Little teeny townhouse. That, that was what it was. Yeah, it it took over the entire house, and legitimately, Amy, like, has a very valid point. It it was all encompassing. Like, you, I would be working, you know, from the moment I woke up at like eight to three in the morning, and that's all I did. And the whole house was covered in plastic and paint and foam. It was everywhere, literally. You know, you have to sometimes make a choice on like what's really more important, and uh, that business wasn't more important 
you needed some unpaid interns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, so it's weird because like I had a lot of like people who offered to want to work and do it, but like it, it was hard because like I think you might understand more than a lot of people, Gonzo, like I kind of considered myself an artist and uh, it was so hard for me to watch somebody like even make a cut in a piece of foam, like to just touch the exacto blade, like, oh, that's the wrong angle. Like, oh, you're not, yeah, yeah. did you just get out of the way? I'll do it. <laughs> Excuse And And uh, I had, I don't know, maybe a lot of issues I should have probably got over and could have done a lot better, but it, uh, it was a fun thing while it lasted. Now it's just a hobby. Now it's every now and then we'll try and build something. But everyone should check out. It really, John's stuff is better than you would see. It, it it's better than the costumes that you would see on like the Movies. the CW's Arrow or whatever. Like the stuff that John made is better quality. Maybe when when Amy posts that picture of John's grandpa, she can post a couple of pictures so people get yeah. a taste. Yeah, yeah. Like, we have it's a pretty awesome. good picture of her and I standing next to each other. She was uh, the huntress, and I was the big robot Azrael Batman. Yeah, we'll get some pictures on there. I love that we can talk about this a little bit. Like, it it reminds me, Gonzo brought up how much of the nerds we were and how we could be, like, super comfortable being nerds. And, like, that never stopped. Like, it just got more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Well, for guys... a little while, it paid for itself, so that was fun. <laughs> yeah. I I appreciate you taking the time to come back and and have a second conversation with me because I love you guys and I was really bummed when I wasn't able to have that that conversation there was a handful of things I I, I made notes when I was listening because I was like there was like three or four times during it so I just died laughing not like I just laughed though my eyes are kind of burning now from that <laughs> story but I, I appreciate you guys taking the time to, to hop on twice I love you guys so thanks for thanks for taking the time and uh, we'll definitely stay in touch yeah, no, we we were, I don't know, I was super happy to talk to you. I I mean, I love Gonzo, but I we, we missed you a lot on that the other night. And, uh, I don't know, it's just, you guys are some of my favorite people on the planet, so thanks for letting us be part of this. Oh, thanks for doing it, and thanks for being so open and willing to share. <laughs> Hopefully all it does is encourage other people to, like, just share i want to know who other people are like yeah. there's a lot of people that i knew back then and i don't know them anymore so it'd be nice to hear from them well that's the funny thing steve and i were just looking through the yearbook and we're like i don't know that somehow where all these people are or like there's so many people in our class that i didn't know like, i thought that i knew a lot of people but i'm looking at the yearbook like holy smokes there was a lot of people in our class i didn't know and i'd love to have conversations with them uh, yeah. just people we're not close with. Yeah. Or, you know, it's like, Ho Kwan, where are you? What are you doing? Or like Hamza. <laughs> yeah. Where is Hamza? I would yeah, love I to hear to him. about Hamza. So, you know, is there, uh, is there anybody you guys would want to hear from that we could reach out to? Mm. Uh, I we mentioned like Drew Miller. Drew Miller. You're listening. Drew. We talked about Michael Jacobson. We missed that guy. There's a lot of people. I mean, Mace. hopefully, what was that? Brian Mace. Brian Mace, oh man, I don't know anything about him anymore. He like got really smart and is like a journalist or something, or maybe that's just what I pretend he is in my head. 
Well, thanks a lot, guys. Um, we we love you. Love you too, guys. Okay. Love you guys. Thanks. Good talking to you. Okay. Thanks. Right. Bye. Steve, um, this is, I guess, the part that I, that we missed that I missed the most on Sunday. So, we just got done talking to the Prus. Uh, what are your thoughts? I loved it. Um, I I love those guys. I think John is awesome. Uh, a really good friend of mine, and it. I said it in the episode, but it really made me sad when I thought we were going to do the episode and then I couldn't make it. And I'm happy that you did because it was really great to hear your interview with them, and it it also made me miss like just coming and sitting down with you and and having that conversation with you with them, but also this outro. Uh, so I'm glad that they were willing to to do a part two and go over that with some of the questions I had. Yeah, and I think, honestly, that's kind of the, the thing I really like about us doing it together is that there are, I, I think you've said it, that there are things that as we're talking that I, I'll pick up on something and ask a question and, or for when I was all alone, it was like just me and you, the stuff that when you listened to and you picked up, got really John to open up about his dad and, and, and things that he he wasn't really saying before and, and we got to hear about it so it's like we wouldn't have if it wasn't for that so that was great yeah well like I I heard that when he was talking I was like oh my gosh like that's totally me like I didn't have a team like my dad it's funny because my dad is deaf but he would like play the drums he actually can play the drums and have to, like there's these things that I these memories I have with my dad but also don't have those and so I had a lot of memories with like church leaders scout leaders other like friends parents that did a lot for me and so it was just it was humbling and, and it helped me be understood I feel like I can relate to John and he can relate to me and I think there's other people probably like that yeah absolutely all right well um, we have another voice memo from Brady it's becoming his regular segment about pearls of wisdom from uh, Bishop Brady, <laughs> from Bishop Levitt. Oh, and also, we want to do a, a quick shout-out to uh, Melanie Levitt. It's her birthday. So happy birthday, Melanie. Uh, I know she listens. She loves our podcast. Happy birthday. Um, so if you'd like to be on, and we, we really want to hear from you, send us an email at jordanhigh2004podcast at gmail.com. You know where to listen, Spotify, Apple, and Google. You'll hear from us next time, I guess. And here's the voice memo from Brady. Bye. Hey, Gonzo and Steve. This is Brady sending a voice memo of a beef that I felt like I needed to hash out here uh, after we hung up the phone. Um, This is a beef really with myself for not not doing what I, I should have done in the moment. So after, after uh, high school, Gonzo and I, we were working for my dad and an uncle, and we were basically selling like coupon cards, like discount cards or whatever. And they had made a deal with the University of Utah bookstore to sell these cards up there. And so we would stand outside, and then as all the students would come by to buy their junk from the bookstore, uh, we would, you know, hit them up and try and try and sell them these cards, and it was really terrible work. And I mean, the cards were like an okay deal, I guess. But anyway, it was just we were just basically harassing people left and right. And 
Um, so anyway, as we were doing that, I, I think Gonzo, you had, I think somebody, somebody walked by and you just said, Hey, how's it going? And he, he just totally ignored you. And as he walked by, you said, like you finished the conversation for him and you just said, good. And he turned around and just like lit up, like just like blew up and was yelling and giving you like a hard time about like, Hey, you don't know my life. Like, you don't know, like, like my mom could have died. Like, you don't know anything about what's going on in my life. Like you, 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 you white boy with, with no problems, that sort of thing. And he walked away and you're like, I'm Latino. And like, it was very clear that you were like upset about that, like, like deeply. And I was just like shocked just standing there. And so my beef is I regret that I didn't, I think he was like a football player on the University of Utah team. So maybe it was because he was like, you know, six, six and like 300 pounds of muscle, but that's no excuse. I should have jumped in and defended, defended you and just told him to, you know, to move along or, or to get out, get out of your face. So sorry, Gonzo, for not, uh, not jumping to your, to your defense. That, and that's all the beef there is.